0: Good morning, everybody. This is OKP number 11, solo number 10, and it is the first one of 2021. Uh, I was originally planning on recording this podcast in the evening or early afternoon, as I usually do. However, um, I was reading this book by Alan Watts, another one. and just so you know, I did take a break from Alan Watts. I read a, a book called Aleph by Paolo Coelho, um, which was okay, standard Coelho uh, book. And uh, as Sandra knows now, I am a little Coelhoed out. Uh, he's got a certain style. Uh, he's a great author, but a certain style that just kind of gets beaten um, over and over again throughout his books. But uh, it's an easy read. And nice break from uh, the Alan Watts autobiography. And now I am reading uh, the book by Alan Watts. And I was just reading, finishing up a chapter this morning. And the subject aligned so well with what I had intended this podcast to be about. That I was like, you know what? I want to record it now. Um, while it's fresh and I've got a great great number of passages so part of this podcast is going to be me just reading um, some of those passages and and reflecting on them but I want to talk first about or at least kind of introduce what I was intending this podcast to be about and uh, it goes back to uh, a couple days ago um, Sandra and I were out in uh, this certain area back in uh, San Bonancio that that me and my buddy Austin called the Pastures of Heaven. Um, it's these really secluded and beautiful pastures, which um, in certain areas overlook Highway 68 and whatnot. And Sandra and I were out there spending the afternoon out there, and um, we were up on this this hill, uh, kind of overlooking Highway 68, and it's a great view of the valley that leads towards Monterey, and sitting there just kind of meditating and just just hanging out and and uh, I was thinking because we're in such a state of mind where are so we're so present and so uh, just so present that I was really reflecting on a spiritual life um, in conjunction with the fast-paced and Um, I guess you could say capitalistic uh, life that we live here and our our push to live here in in America. And it kind of dawned on me at that point that, you know, my my goal is to find a way to meld together a spiritual life and a life that is uh, in some way or another Uh, along the path that, that, yeah, we do get kind of pushed towards, which is, you know, having, being able to to make enough money to provide for a family, to provide for yourself, um, and to still live and and be in society. And I was thinking that there are two extremes on both ends, right? There's the spiritual side, which would be to uh, recuse yourself from everyday society and become... Uh, some form of a monk or a priest or a shaman, mystic, whatever your your uh, aspect of spirituality is, um, and just completely give up normal life, as one might say. Um, and then there's the other side, which is uh, which I think is is where the majority of us are pushed towards and kind of blindly, follow um is following that heavily capitalistic um rat race lifestyle you know get the job climb the job climb the ladder uh make money and and all for the while not really understanding what it is you're doing and why you're doing it it's just kind of like this is what we're supposed to do um and so my my intention Now, with my life, is to try to find a way to to meld the two. And as obviously people who have listened to this podcast know, uh, the way that I see that occurring for me is through making bread and having a a small bakery. Um, Because that gives me, you know, meaning in the form of of, uh, making bread, it gives me the opportunity to focus on my own spiritual path, which. You know, involves meditating, reading, uh, just contemplating certain aspects and and philosophies that I enjoy learning about. But it also uh, allows me to entertain my own interests, which is is business. I do like the idea of having my own business and I, I love every aspect of the bakery that I have right now. Uh, from the sales to the packaging to the logistics, you know, I love thinking about the inefficiencies that I have in certain ways to, to solve them and, and just kind of finding a way to build that to a point where I can, as Alex uh, coined in the latest episode, uh, to replace the mechanism that the everyday job that I already have uh, provides for me. And so I was just thinking about that and I think that, you know, it, it obviously goes along with you know this is kind of if someone wanted to to kind of uh be in the same boat with me i mean you got to be on some sort of a spiritual path and that begs the question it's like you know how does one take the first step on a spiritual path you know is it is it something that you intentionally do is it something that uh comes about naturally and Truth be told, I don't know. I mean, I was I was, uh, you know, not really a believer in spirituality or, or religion or anything for for a long time. I was raised Catholic and I was confirmed and, and uh, kind of went through the rituals and the in the stages of of Catholicism, uh, but with no true belief and no real understanding. I mean, there was actually a period of time when I was younger where I did pray every night, but it was more just. To calm my own anxiety it was just like if I don't pray then something bad is going to happen because I've been doing this so often Uh, And it was kind of a way to calm me down to uh, To be able to sleep and to feel as though I had checked the box on something Maybe that was a little bit of an OCD Compulsion I don't know Uh, But then after that I mean I kind of fell into a, a belief that you know things don't happen for a reason that things Uh you know, once you die, you die, and you're dead, and then just that's it, and there's really no real point to anything, and it was kind of a nihilistic viewpoint on the world, and, you know, reflecting on how I came to be more spiritual or more uh, believing in purpose and believing in, in, in having a meaningful life and a meaningful uh, spiritual belief, Uh I would have to say that it it really for me it did come naturally I mean I kind of have spoken about my own integration into Buddhism and my own interest in Buddhism and not exactly sure why uh, that interest was peaked uh, back when it was which was back in 2011 or 2012 uh, and why did it maintain itself in me throughout uh, my life up until now where I've really started to dive in and and understand it. But one advice that I would give someone who is thinking about that is just that I think that it all starts with cultivating an awareness of yourself and, 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 uh, really trying to take a look at the things that are distracting you from understanding who you truly are and how you are going to become uh, a better person. And I think that's what helped me was that I remember back during, um, before the, my introduction to Buddhism in 2010, 2011, I had gone through some rough patch. I don't know if it was a breakup or something like that, but I do remember having the intention or just the desire to be like, you know what, man, like I was really hurt from this experience and my only goal is to just be the best person I can be. Um, that was my only goal back then is is to just just be a good person because I know what it feels like to be treated poorly and to be hurt. And, and I think that those are small stepping stones, uh, that lead to the realization of a spiritual path and, and the, uh, you know, I don't think it's something that can be forced. I don't think that someone listening to this, uh, can all of a sudden just boom, jump in and just, you know, you certainly can jump in and start to research any sort of religion, but to have a true, uh, I guess one might call it a faith, you know, have to have faith in, in the religion and in, in the process and to have some sort of understanding of what, I don't want to say the goal is, but the, but the purpose um, and the meaning behind the practices, uh, it just takes time and I think it takes a lot of reflection. And that's something that I am lucky to have had those traits kind of embedded in me as just as the person that I am, um, I've always been a very reflective and very introspective person. And that all culminates to, to like I said, to to the spiritual path that I'm on now. And and I'm, I really feel as though I'm making some strides in understanding my own purpose and my own uh, meaning in life, you know. Uh, and so, as I said, you know, I think that, that if anybody is not feels as though they're not on this path and they might be in that nihilistic point i think that taking some time to truly and intentionally reflect and meditate whether that's meditation whether that's journaling whether that's just disconnecting from the um, aspects of life which are like i said detracting you from being able to be reflective um, those are some some starting points i think for you and then and as that grows you begin to know who you are better and through knowing yourself better I think that gives you a better window uh, for when you actually dive into uh, whichever spiritual practice it is uh, for you um, and so anyways you know that was kind of a tangent but really what I wanted to talk about is is that melding of the two aspects of, of you know those that are on a spiritual path how do you Live in today's world, um, and be satisfied, and be content, and and feel free um, to continue your practice to the fullest extent of your abilities, as well as maintaining the normalcy of of life. And like I said, for me, that's that's baking. And so I, I anyways, I'm thinking about that. I'm, I'm, you know. I guess there's not much to say about that other than I do know the path for me now, and and now it's just kind of just a matter of taking the plunge and and really going into it. But I thought it was so interesting today that I was I was reading, um, as I said, I'm reading. It's called The Book uh, by Alan Watts, and you know I didn't really know what it was. I know uh, Sandra and I were at Henry Miller Library, and this was just one of the books that. Uh, was there and it appeared interesting when I was reading the back cover and Excuse me, I'm drinking a cup of coffee. I'm drinking Del Cielo uh, From the bearded bean those those Del Ciello beans are really good. It's a medium roast um, And I'm also sipping it out of my BD mug uh, from slate pottery uh, It's a Brian Duke handmade artisan mug uh, fantastic mug. Uh, it's more of a work of art than just a mug. And he's actually up, you know, working on his uh, small business and, and getting his website updated. So once that goes live, I'll be sure to share it. And uh, I think you guys should support him. He's a great pottery man. And uh, anyways, that's what I'm drinking. That's what I'm drinking out of. So anyways, the book by Alan Watts, What it's interesting because what it really is about and you learn about it in the first chapter is he was thinking about in certain cultures, you know, he uses uh, Chinese or, or Asian cultures. Um, there's a, a book that is given to the uh, younger generations. And in his example, he used uh, a book that's given to newlyweds, uh, which explains all sorts of things about sex, you know, as far as you know, the purpose, the performance. Uh, What to do, when to do it. And it kind of saves the parents these awkward conversations uh, with their kids. And he was thinking, he's like, you know, what would be a book that I would like to pass down to generations to kind of uh, uh, integrate the wisdom that I've learned to them? And he's like, you know, I want to make this book as easy to read as possible so that way they only have to read it once uh, and they kind of get the point of it. And it's just something that he says. Hey, look, when you're at this age, I'm gonna give you the book, and that's exactly what the title is. Is just the book. And so, what this book is about is essentially grappling with the uh, idea of existence. And it's kind of like that. You know, I've mentioned it before. Uh, it's kind of like that. You know, that question that I have for people sometimes is is you ever have that moment where you're just like oh shit uh i'm alive i'm conscious i'm you know it can be very anxiety provoking and it has been for me in the past but i mean it's just something that i don't think people really experience uh on a frequent basis which is just like the realization that dude you actually are alive and you're what is this you know what is it what are we doing here Um, and that's what this book is about and so he has you know the first chapter and then he kind of goes into the second chapter, which is uh, it's called How to Be a Genuine Fake. And he's talking more about how this, uh, how society's current view on existence came to be. Um, which is the idea that we are separate individuals as opposed to, uh, you know, he uses the word the whole. and And essentially what he's talking about is that consciousness and the human spirit is all part of the same thing you know we're all interconnected uh, with everything in the world you know uh, everything within nature and society today tries to uh, he calls it a double blind because society essentially tells us to be an individual to be a fruit to be free Uh, however you do have to conform with our own normal standards Uh, and so it's I'm telling you, hey, you know, go do what you want to do, be free, uh, be your own individual, but at the same time, conform with that. And so it's like you're blind from telling me this, and now I'm blind because you're telling me how to do it. But then I get to a certain stage and in, in certain maturity in life, and I realize, like, hey, this is just weird. Like, it's kind of like I explained, you know, I talked with uh, Alex, um, I've talked in previous podcasts where. When I was in Santa Rosa, um, I had my first real job. I was kind of like taken aback, you know. Like this is it, you know. This is what I was told would be the ultimate attainment, um, and and it's really, it's really not. It's not that fulfilling. It's not as meaningful uh, to me, at least. And uh, it's a paradox. It seems as though. And so anyways, he's kind of going through that and how it came to be in the second chapter. And uh, let's see here. Let's see. Where do I want to start? Um, let me see. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get my highlights in order here. Uh, so he says... To manifest individuality, every branch must have a sensitive connection with the tree, just as our independently moving and differentiated fingers must have a sensitive connection with the whole body. And so here he's talking, right, that human consciousness and human experience um, is like the tree, and each individual is just a branch from that tree. However, to truly be able to kind of manifest your own individuality you do have to have this connectedness with an understanding that you know we all are in this together and we all are one Uh, you know and he's talking about how society today wants to essentially you are the branch but you're also cutting that branch off and all that's doing is just increasing your own anxiety for the coming crash and I'll get to that that passage uh, in a second here So he says, if then the differentiation of individuals is of great value on the principle that variety is the spice of life, this value is not going to be enhanced by our self-contradictory definition of individuality. Our society, that is, we ourselves, all of us, is defining the individual with a double blind, commanding him to be free and separate from the world, which he is not. For otherwise, the command would not work. Under the circumstances, it works only in the sense of implanting an illusion of separateness, separateness, just as the commands of a hypnotist can create illusions. And I like this part coming up. Thus, bamboozled, the individual, instead of fulfilling his unique function in the world, is exhausted and frustrated in efforts to accomplish self-contradictory goals. Which is essentially what Alex and I were talking about, which is that You get into these rat race type jobs and you just are kind of like, as Alan Watt says, exhausted and frustrated because you're not free and you're not really expressing your own individuality. You're just stuck in this rat race. And so he continues. Is exhausted and frustrated in efforts to accomplish self-contradictory goals because he is now so largely defined as a separate person caught up in a mindless and alien universe. His principal task is to get one up on the universe and to conquer nature. This is palpably absurd, and since the task is never achieved, the individual is taught to live and work for some future in which the impossible will at last happen, if not for him, then at least for his children." We are thus breeding a type of human being incapable of living in the present, that is, of really living. And that, to me, I I highlighted it, and then I wrote, which I rarely write in my books. I always highlight, but I wrote, damn, because that was powerful, um, a very powerful passage, which is, you know, so relevant to the things that we've spoken about on this podcast before, and, you know, I love how he speaks about how the individual is constantly trying to one up the universe. And that that is something that like, what I I relate that to is kind of thinking that we don't think about our inevitability and the fragility of life. And like what, you know, yeah, this is all going to come to an end for all of us at some point or another. Uh, But society kind of teaches us to think of it doesn't teach us directly to think that we're immortal or whatnot, but the way that society is run is as if we are immortal and that we're constantly, as he says, trying to one up the universe for this future that is never going to happen for us, but it's going to happen for our children. And what that teaches us is to live for the future and to strive and work hard. And, 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 and and we got to create a better future. We got to create a better future. And it's like, yeah, I get that we need to create a better future, but why not just focus on creating a better present? You know, the present moment for me is great. I'm going to teach my children to live in the present moment, to be their own individuals. And yeah, is it, is it worthwhile to get an education and to learn uh, unique trades and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, that's certainly important. Uh, as a backstop, I think as a backstop, because, you know, at, you know, at the end of the day, we're not going to change the functions um, of society within a generation, You know, we're not going to change the United States of America uh, from a capitalist society to a society that, you know, promotes and genuinely encourages people to follow their passions and to follow their own unique functions in the world. Uh, And so I think that's very interesting how he talks about one upping the universe and how we're just kind of stuck in this cycle. And so let's see, he continues For unless one is able to fully live in the present, the future is a hoax. There is no point whatever in making plans for a future which you will never be able to enjoy. When your plans mature, you will still be living for some other future beyond. You will never, never be able to sit back with full contentment and say, Now I have arrived. Your entire education has deprived you of this capacity because it was preparing you for the future instead of showing you how to be alive now. I'm sorry, these are, these are long. This is a long passage, but I have one more passage. Stick with me. In other words, you have been hypnotized or conditioned by an educational processing system arranged in grades or steps, supposedly leading to some ultimate success. First, nursery school or kindergarten, then the grades or forms of elementary school, preparing you for the great moment of secondary school then more steps up and up to the coveted goal of the university. Here, you are clever, you can stay here. If you are clever, you can stay on indefinitely by getting into graduate school and becoming a permanent student. Otherwise, you are headed step-by-step for the great outside world of family raising, business, and profession. Yet, graduation day is a very temporary fulfillment. For with your first sales promotion meeting, you are back in the same old system being urged to make that quota and if you do they'll give you a higher quota and so progress up and so progress up the ladder to sales manager vice president and at last president of your own show about 40 to 45 years old in the meantime the insurance and investment people have been interesting you in plans for retirement that really ultimate goal of being able to sit back and enjoy the fruits of all your labors But when that day comes, your anxieties and exertions will have left you with a weak heart, false teeth, prostate trouble, sexual impotence, fuzzy eyesight, and a vile digestion. All this might have been wonderful if at every stage. Well, let me stop there. That first part where he's talking about, you know, I love how he incorporates the stair step of education with the stair step of professionalism because that is so true and that's something that I've felt many times in my life where it's like especially after college because you know when I graduated and I started working at my first job up in Santa Rosa I remember feeling this like not a sense of emptiness but a sense of you know the next rung on the ladder was lacking for me and I wasn't quite sure how to gra- grasp it. And so I, I, I turned more to, towards the natural thing that I knew, which was education. And I was like, well, you know what? Um, I should focus on becoming a uh, CFA, Certified Financial Advisor, uh, which is a you know, financial test. And it's very rigorous and uh, difficult to get. But hey, that would get me to the, the next level of my profession because I work in the financial industry you know, if I could become a CFA, uh, that would be it, you know? And then that didn't work out, uh, because it wasn't, it wasn't true to me. It wasn't what I was meant to do. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And so that fizzled out. Um, and then I was stuck in this, uh, this realm of just, you know, lacking meaning and lacking purpose because this whole, my whole life was just like, Graduation, graduation, or or graduating to the next grade, graduating to the next grade, you know, um, performing in my next sport, uh, uh, performing in my next presentation. All these things that school and education had taught me to achieve, now all of a sudden I was in the real world and there was no second step, you know, other than pursuing it in the professional world. And so from the CFA, I moved to uh, the GMAT which was the entry level or the entry test to get into business school. And I just was convincing myself that that's what I needed. You know, that's what was going to propel me and give my life meaning. And again, it was just, it did not happen naturally. There was no natural drive to do it. And I look back and I compare my my enthusiasm, I compare my uh, drive and my happiness and my contentment and my You know, I use the word obsession. Uh, uh, Was I obsessed with the GMAT, obsessed with getting into business school, obsessed with being a CFA? No, hell no. Those were very intense um, aspects that I knew deep in my heart weren't for me. That wasn't me. But when I look at, say, again, you know, baking and bread making and, and, you know, I love when I have an issue um, that I get, you know, obsessive might be an intense word, but obsessed about where I can't stop thinking about this production issue that I'm having or like how do I do uh, these things like one of the most thing, one of the things in this area that I'm most proud of is I kept trying to figure out how to create my my formula, uh essentially my recipe, uh, to produce, certain number of loaves at a certain weight and I knew it was an algebra problem but I couldn't figure out the algebra behind it and I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking and finally I was laying in bed one night and I was like ah like this is the formula and and it works and I use it to this day and it's like that was so satisfying and so fulfilling that it's you know it's a very simple formula one variable but I, I, I figured that out on my own And it was so natural. I wasn't having to force myself to sit down and read uh, a GMAT study book or a CFA study book and be like, and and in those instances where I'm studying for those tests, I'm also just trying to convince myself like, look, you're going to get noticed in your company. You're going to get promoted. You're going to be the CEO of your company that you don't even care about. You don't even care about this industry. And all the while, those efforts were futile and they just did not, it always fizzled out and the, the enthusiasm, drive and obsession for baking has never lost its touch. Uh, and so that's a long way of saying, you know, what he's saying is very true is that we have these stair steps and we're taught in our educational system to, to reach for the next level. And then when you get to professionalism, again, it's like you have your first sales quota and if you meet that, we'll give you a higher one. And the process just continues until your retirement. And I've had this conversation with many people. It's like, dude, I don't want to wait to be retired. You know, there's a there's a lot of bakers out there that waited till they retired to essentially start their bakery or to start, you know, it's always this romantic story like, oh, they were in the uh the corporate world for 30 40 years and then they they left it because they couldn't have enough you know and it's like dude i don't want to be 65 and start my bakery man like i want to leave the corporate world now and you know it's much more difficult in my case just because i'm much younger and i have much less money than those people but at the other end one could say it's much easier because i don't have a house i don't have a wife and kids and whatnot so retirement is not something that I think we should be focused on at this age. You know, yeah, it's good to have a, you know, if you have the opportunity to have a 401k, have a 401k. If you've got the the disposable income to, to finance your own Roth personal IRA, do it. Because, yeah, you know, it's a good safety net, much like education. But don't make retirement your end goal. You know, like, I can't wait till I'm 65. It's like, dude, I have no 27. I have no guarantee I'm going to be alive at 65. So that's my rant for that because at, uh, oh, I will keep going because at retirement as he says here you might have a weak heart, you might have false teeth, prostate trouble, might not be able to get your dick up. That's not fun, man. That's not fun. Like I want to have all those things working well while I'm, I'm in this this game, this game of 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 meaning and this game of spiritual growth and just I don't know. get fired up about it. So he continues. All this might have been wonderful if, at every stage, you had been able to play it as a game, finding your work as fascinating as poker, chess, or fishing. But for most of us, the day is divided into work time and play time, the work consisting largely of tasks which others pay us to do because they are abysmally uninteresting. Therefore, We therefore work, not for the work's sake, but for money, And money is supposed to get us what we really want in our hours of leisure and play. In the United States, even poor people have lots of money compared to the wretched and skinny millions of India, Africa, and China. While our middle and upper classes, or should we say income groups, are as prosperous as princes. Yet, by and large, they have but slight taste for pleasure. Money alone cannot buy pleasure, though it can help. For enjoyment is an art and a skill which we have little talent or energy. So again, I think he just he just he's just honing in on the point that it's so important to be able to find and cultivate work that is meaningful and playful and interesting to you. And I think that, you know, even this this part here, I don't know if it's his if it's his intention, but to, to remind us that, you know, even the poorest people in America are rich in when compared to other countries. And I think, you know, one of the things that has plagued me the most is that, you know, America's society has basically ingrained you with this idea that you can never have enough money and that, that you always have to be working and that you need to be safe and secure when in reality, like, Many of us and many of the people that are listening to this podcast have good jobs and are, in a sense, very wealthy financially. Uh, It's only through the brainwashing of consumerism and marketing that we see our money evaporate from essentially being hypnotized into purchasing things that we don't need or purchasing things that we think are going to get us to that next level of pleasure and it's important again to just be reflective and be you know aware of what really is giving you pleasure you know and I, I i i always think of like a cup of tea you know like there's something so pleasurable about being in a very calm and and present state of mind and just sitting there Maybe you got some nice music going. I don't know. You don't even need music, but you're sitting there and you're just enjoying this cup of tea. And that that instance can be more pleasurable than the most expensive item you can think to buy, you know? Um, And how much does that cup of tea cost? It costs 50 cents, less, costs a a dime, you know? And uh, it's so difficult to unhypnotize yourself from that and and to realize that you know I guess maybe this whole podcast is me just convincing myself to just take the plunge but uh you know I don't I just keep telling myself I'm not there yet um but I like this line here for enjoyment is an art and a skill for which we have little talent or energy and then he kind of goes on and he talks about basically like how we have all these, you know, super fine silks and clothes and, and we have these fine decorative, you know, uh, items and materials, uh, but nobody really knows how to really use it. You know, he's like saying like, oh, yeah, we've got all these great clothes and all that stuff. But the average man and average woman or average man, you know, they they dress as though fucking those clothes don't exist you know and he says here he's got this line he says women are slaves to the fashion game with its basic rule quote i have conformed sooner than you i'm like dude that's a pretty powerful because it's like it's very true it's like i'm better than you because i conformed earlier than the mass you know uh You know, he has this other line for our pleasures are not material pleasures, but symbols of pleasure, attractively packaged, but inferior in content. He also talks about how it's funny that America is viewed as this materialistic world when he's like or this materialistic society when really. You know, we kind of suck at materialism because like the only he's like talking about the only real true, fine, fine goods are those that are are forced to be so elegant because of their price tag. You know, take like a very high-end jet, um, for example. You know, it's going to be very nice. Or he says, you know, aircraft, computers, space rockets, and scientific instruments. Um, You know, he talks about um, Oaxaca, Mexico. Uh, and he's saying that people really want these blankets that are made there because they're such fine quality. Uh, However, people in America get frustrated because so many people are placing orders for these fine blankets that the very thing that is making those blankets so fine is the limited amount of of blanket artists out there that are able to make these blankets, and that in order to fulfill the mass amount of, of orders, The quality would have to deteriorate. And he's saying, you know, it's interesting how, you know, people don't understand that. And here's this quote here. I didn't highlight it, but I found it. Nevertheless, it strikes me more and more that America's reputation for materialism is unfounded. That is, if a materialist is a person who thoroughly enjoys the physical world and loves material things, In this sense, we are superb materialists when it comes to the construction of jet aircraft, but when we decorate the inside of these magnificent monsters for the comfort of passengers, it is nothing but frippery. High-heeled, narrow-hipped, doll-type girls serving imitation warmed-over meals. (sighs) The explanation is simple. Most of our products are being made by people who do not enjoy making them, whether as owners or workers their aim is the enterprise their aim in the enterprise is not the product but money and therefore every trick is used to cut the cost of production and hoodwink the buyer by coloring and packaging chicanery into the belief that the product is well and truly made i don't know i don't really know i can't that's he says it pretty clearly there uh, and i agree with everything he's saying uh And so what to do about all this? I don't know. Uh, know, Oh, here you go. So at the end of the chapter, he kind of talks about these options. Uh, And I like this response here. He says, uh, But a third response is possible. Not withdrawal, not stewardship on the hypothesis of a future reward, but the fullest collaboration with the world as a harmonious system of contained conflicts based on the realization that the only real i is the whole endless process this realization is already in us in the sense that our bodies know it our bones and nerves and sense organs we do not know it only in the sense that in that the th- Here, I'll restart we do not know it only in the sense that the thin ray of conscious attention has been taught to Im- ignore it and taught so thoroughly that we are very genuine fakes indeed And that there, I think, you know, I think of Jordan Peterson and I think of his description of straddling the order, the the border between order and chaos and and truly finding what is meaningful in one's life. Uh, And that, what he says there is that, you know, you will know when you're there, you know, you'll know when that moment has occurred and what you're doing is meaningful and that is the right path for you to take. Like you will know it in your bones. Um, and i'll say you know the only time i've ever experienced something like that is is in uh in march 2020 uh when my when my bakery was kind of starting to just take off and and by take off i mean i made like 40 sold 40 loaves in a week or something like that and and i was just overcome with emotion like i was i think during that week like Everything would set me off and I would start to cry and I would just be crying. And and I remember Sandra was here one day and I was just, you know, I was just a a wreck because I just didn't know what this feeling was, you know, and it was just I was so overcome with emotion that I think that 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 meaning had just been lacking for so long. Um, And even if, if even if it ever was there before that, I just truly didn't know what it was and it was you know frightening to me um because like i said i couldn't you know everything would just make me just cry and uh you know it's something that you're just your body knows you know it's 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 and that there might even be proof that that we are all part of the whole and that there is something more out there um that that you know gives meaning to life and that that Things do happen for a reason, and it it's kind of proof that you can find that even in your darkest, darkest times. And that's there. What what Alan Watts is talking about is is um, essentially pursuing the options that are meaningful to you. Uh, and and I, again, I go back to this, and I think that you know, there's probably people that listen to this, and they're like, well, how do I get there? How do I how do I do that? And I you know, the advice I would give is again, just being cultivating your own awareness, cultivating your own ability to reflect and be introspective, disconnecting and, and and severing the ties to the aspects of your life which are prohibiting you from being reflective and prohibiting you from getting to know who you truly are, you know, recognizing the the, the ways in which society has brainwashed you to to think that you have to live and be and and, and act in a certain way. And, and move along this, this life in a certain way. Uh, just paying tribute and acknowledging the fact that you are alive and that you are a conscious being, and that your existence is something to behold. And it's just so fucking crazy that, you know, appreciate that, you know, and, and, and understand that the present moment is just all that there really is. And that even though you might be pushed to, to, view and, and and chase a future which maybe you don't even want you know you don't have to and that's something i'm working on you know maybe i you know i'm trying to uh, lead by example uh, but it's very difficult because i have just like every one of you you know i've i've been brainwashed as well and i'm only coming only now kind of coming to the realization of of everything that's um been going on and uh you know, I hope in 2021 that I can work harder and and make some concrete moves to 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 move along this path. Um, and like I said, that's all I'm. What I want is just a, a meaningful life. I want a meaningful profession that that I love and that I find playful and that I I work hard at. You know, that's the greatest thing about baking is that when I'm when I bake. You know, 30 loaves in a day like that's hard work for me, and it's a lot of work and I don't I think people sometimes think that I'm just I don't know, you know, I I don't blame people for thinking that maybe making bread is easy, but it's not and You know, it's a hard day's work, you know, and I'm proud of it at the end of the day and that's something that I have never ever felt in my uh, professional career Um, and so I don't know. I don't know. That's what I pursue. Um, I hope you guys can find and learn about yourself so that way you can find something that, that makes you go like that. Uh, and I wish you all the best in 2021. I'm going to try to keep doing this podcast. Um, I have a a, a guest interview uh, queued up. Uh, we've, we recorded it a couple days ago, but kind of editing out some stuff. And, you know, people are... Some guests want to remain anonymous, which I respect, you know, if that's what you want to do. You know, I'd, I'd prefer everybody to not be anonymous, but, you know, um, like I said, we're not, um, none of us are immune or, or you know, to, to the effects. You know, some of us will have consequences for saying certain things, and some people want to be anonymous. So, you know, I'm working to kind of make some edits on that last one just so that way the, the guest is uh, comfortable with it and hoping to have that out here uh, next week. But I'll get this up as soon as I can, and I hope you all have a great uh, Sunday. And uh, like I said, just take some time to, to reflect and, and get to know yourself.